everyone, this is Josh for episode 116 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I am really happy to be joined by Patty Kay. Patty, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Likewise. Can you tell us a little bit more, just a, a quick intro, Patty, about who you are and what you do right now? Um, sure. Well, I'm a solopreneur. We can start there. And uh, what I do is I help other clients who are usually solopreneurs themselves. Um, but I provide um, thought leadership marketing services for uh, trusted advisors. And trusted advisors are typically business coaches, business consultants, experts, uh, those kinds of people. Got it. And I'm, I'm really interested in this topic in general because now I'm spending a little bit more of my time in the in the tech world where I think that is also starting to take over, meaning it's becoming more popular for co-founders or CEOs or whoever in big companies to move in that direction, to, to kind of become a domain expert, you know, build their brand, et cetera, et cetera. So anyways, very interesting. Can you take us back, Patty, to like, was this the first thing you started doing as a solopreneur? Did you have previous experiences in solopreneurship or entrepreneurship before that? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> virtually my entire working life, I have been either self-employed, um, running a business. Um, so back um, like before it was cool, uh, my very first business was a, a video rental store. Um, so if you oh, can wow. imagine back in the 1980s. <laughs> So that was my first business. Um, from there, I went on to become like what we would call, I guess, a freelance software developer now. Um, but I was basically writing computer programs um, in my basement. I, I wrote a video store management program. Um, and that's where I kind of got my, my start of, um, you know, doing this thing solo. So this particular business that I'm in right now, um, the marketing for trusted advisors, I've been doing for about 10 years now. Oh, wow. I, I want to first go back to that video rental store. <laughs> How and why did you start it? Well, I started, it was a job after high school, right? Like, you know, after school, go and be the clerk in the video store. I mean, all my friends were, um, really impressed because they were like, you know, working fast food and stuff. And I had this nice cushy job where I got all the movies I could watch for free. Um, <laughs> so it started there. I, you know, I started as the clerk and then they opened another location. Um, the, the ownership transitioned. The guy that was running the business sold it to someone else. And that guy was more ambitious. Um, and he opened another location and he invited me uh, to run it for him. So I became hmm. the manager uh, and then he sold it to me. Uh, so I bought the store that I was currently running is how that started. Right. And can you take us through kind of the, the thought process, especially considering that would be, you know, your first business? Was it scary? Was it intimidating? What what, what kind of mental models did you go through to make that decision? Um, young and stupid. Um. <laughs> and, and also too, Patty, would you would you recommend getting into entrepreneurship in that way like buying an already existing business uh, yes and no uh, in some ways i mean the mindset at the time was overconfident cocky young <laughs> person i was like 21 maybe something like that like and I felt that because I was managing the store, that I knew how the business ran and that um, I could handle it and, you know, 
that everything was fine. Um, and I was naive and I was trusting. Um, and that ended up, um, I got screwed royally is what happened um, because of that naivete. Um, so in terms of, is it a good idea to buy a business that's already running? I think for people like me who are creative and want to mess with things, maybe not <laughs> because you buy something that's successful because of the way it's been running. And if you want to stay successful, it's kind of you continue the playbook. Um, whereas someone like me just wants to go in and shake things up and change it, um, sometimes for the better and sometimes not so much. Um, so. Right. So what what would maybe be the one or two key lessons from that decision that we could share with others so they could avoid either just buying from a person like that or getting in a situation like that 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 didn't work out so well yeah i <laughs> get help get expert advice um um and listen to it Right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, you know, so when my lawyer said, it's not really a, a good idea for you to buy this business and allow the owner to continue to hold the lease on the building, um, I should have listened <laughs> and renegotiated that. <laughs> um, but I was trusting and I just had this, this idea that, oh, this guy, I'd worked with him for a couple of years. I felt like I could trust him, um, but he did not have my best interests at heart. And in fact, I was part of a grand scheme <laughs> to sell the right. business, get some cash, and then take it back, um, which is ultimately what he did because he held the lease on the building. So, right. I, so I got myself into um, some kind of legal issues there. So, yeah. so get a good lawyer and then listen to them. Okay, good advice. <laughs> So, Patty, how do you go from operating a uh, owning, I guess, for a period of time and operating a, a video rental store to developing software? Did, did you then decide you were just going to self-teach yourself? Did you know how to code at that point? Um, no. Um, <laughs> uh, yes and no. Uh, so how did I get into it? Um, I met a guy. Um, <laughs> the guy that sold me. Um, a computer for the business because like this was um, back in what would it have been 1987 1988 kind of personal computers were just coming out they were just becoming a thing um, and my store like other stores ran on pieces of paper and a cash register so we wrote hand wrote out receipts and we typed stuff into a cash register and I kept my books and a great big ledger kind of a thing um, and he came in saying, oh, you have to computerize this business. And I've got this guy that writes some software to run the business. And I'm like, OK, this sounds good. Um, so we set up the computer. He showed me how it worked. I thought, oh, this is really neat. Uh, the software was terrible. Um, it was awful. It lost my movies. <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it was sold as this great great thing that would automate me and help me run the business. But meanwhile, my inventory is dwindling because it wasn't keeping track of who had the movies properly. So I didn't know where they were and they had just kind of disappeared. So I liked the idea and I was really excited about computers and how they work and all of that. Um, so I ended up hooking with, up with this guy that sold the, the computer system and uh, we started selling computers together. So he would um, buy, um, computers that were returned um, 
as not working and then he would fix them and then sell them out of a closet in his house. Um, so I started working with him on that and he would fix the computers and I would show people how to operate them. So I learned how to use DOS and how to install programs and how to hook up the computers. And eventually I learned how to build them and we'd buy them um, in parts and we would assemble them in the living room and then we'd sell them to people. Um, and one day he comes home and he says, you know what, selling hardware is really stupid. He says, because you sell it once and then it's gone and you have to go and buy another computer and sell it. He says, we should sell software because you write it once and you sell it many times. So he says, I decided that you're going to be, a, we're going to open a software development company. You're going to be the programmer. Um, so he handed me a book <laughs> and a piece of software um, uh, called Turbo Pascal. <laughs> and he says, uh, go write us a video store program. He says, you know about video stores and video store management. And we know that the software isn't any good. Go write us something better. Um, so, <laughs> and naivete, I just believed that it was possible. <laughs> and for the next nine months, I figured out how to, uh, how to write software. And I wrote a video store management program. <laughs> so it was you with one book and, and a computer. Starting Turbo Pascal 5.5. Yes, it was purple. <laughs> wow. Wow. And then, so what, what would you, because those are very different times, right, Patty? Like now, if if you want to learn to code, I mean, there's endless resources, right? Courses and YouTube videos and you know, boot camps now have become very popular too. Yeah. What, what would you recommend to someone now then if they wanted to learn how to code? Well, my big... I think it's kind of a funny story. Um, I got the book and I'm going through the book step by step with the tutorial. And if anybody has ever written software before, you know that the very first tutorial is to get the computer to say hello world, uh, basically. So mm -hmm. I went through the tutorial and then I'm like, I call my boyfriend over and say, hey, look, look, I got it to do this, right? And he looks at the screen and says, oh, hello world. And I'm so proud of myself. And he says, <laughs> I will never forget it. That doesn't look like a video store program. <laughs> Why don't you build a video store program? And what that did is it had me think about the job of writing code differently. And it was, in fact, one of these perspective shifts that has stayed with me ever since is I was actually instead of thinking I'm going to learn how to write code and somehow use that new skill in order to do something, I was thinking about what is the end thing that I wanna produce here? How is it gonna help the business? How is it going to work? How do I design that? How do I architect that? And then how do I learn what I need to learn in order to do that? Um, mm. Which led me to the very first question. It's like, what is this thing going to look like and how is it going to function? So I started kind of writing stuff out on pieces of paper. It's like, okay, I want the screen to look like this and I want the reports to look like this. And this is some of the functionality it's going to need. It's going to need to be able to add some users and add some movies. It's gonna to have to keep track of where they are <laughs> accurately, <laughs> mm. uh, that kind of thing. So I started mapping it out and then I realized, okay, there's some things here that I need to learn in order to do this. And then I was able, to fast forward my learning because I knew how I was going to use what I was learning, if hmm. that makes some sense, right? Yeah. Makes, and also it, it made it more fun. <laughs> it, it sounds like wireframing, right? You, you were doing 
modern day or not so modern day wireframing. So, so how did it end up going? And, and, and then when you launched, what, what was, what was that product like? Was it successful? Um, ish. Um, well, I created a video store rental program and I was very proud of it and it worked. Um, so I was happy with the end result. Getting there took about nine months. Uh, and you mentioned something earlier about, you know, resources being available and ways to learn and stuff. One of the things that we did is we used um, <laughs> BBS systems, like before the internet, is I was dialing in to this fellow that was an expert, ran a BBS in somewhere in Texas, and he was helping people and he was creating like um, libraries. So like I could get um, screen libraries for making the screens look good and I could get database management libraries from him. So he had done like the hard work of creating these components and then I could get the components from him and get some support for that. So that fast forwarded it because I got some help. Um, and then my boyfriend, because being who he was, I ran into a problem um, that I couldn't overcome. I, I was getting stuck somewhere in, in the development process. Um, and he went and got the yellow pages, remember those? And he looked up computer programming and he phoned the first company in the phone book um, and their name was Armchair Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he picks up the phone and he says, my girlfriend is trying to learn how to program. Can you help her? <laughs> And he did. The, the, the guy came over to the house and he sat down next to me and uh, he showed me, you know, some of the basics that um, that I had, uh, you know, kind of glossed over or was, you know, implementing incorrectly. And he helped me a lot. And then he became my mentor and he was a good um, a good support person and and a key player in making that thing actually happen the way it did. Um, so cool. so yeah. what, what happened post-launch and, and then where did that business go? Um, post-launch, um, my boyfriend and I had a deal and that deal was that I would write software and that he would sell software. Um, and he did not do a very good job of holding up his end of it. And in fact, um, the very first store that he sold, he, he sold the software to, um, he had, he was good at making the introductions and like, you know, he'd see a video store and he'd stop the car and he'd run in to go and talk to the owner. Like he was very good at opening the relationship that way. Um, they didn't really understand the video store business and he didn't really understand what the software did. Um, so he kind of got stuck in that sales process and he had this, this nice couple that had this video store that were really interested in the software. And he says, Patty, I'm trying to explain how it works and um, I don't understand it and I'm confusing them. You have to come in and you have to explain what Turbo Pascal is and how the database modules work and all of this. He says, because you understand that and I don't. Um, so we go in, first of all, I'm like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to talk to people. I want to stay in the basement with the computer. <laughs> That's my job. Um, I don't want to talk to people. Uh, so he, ropes me into this thing. And I remember we walked into the store um, and he's got a monitor under one arm and a computer under the other because this is how you do a demo back in the day. Uh, and I'm behind him, like physically behind him, carrying the keyboard, <laughs> and trying to be hidden because I was scared of this sales thing we were about to do and meeting these scary people. Um, so he 
puts the computer on the counter of the video store and I watch and he starts hooking it up and uh, he says, okay, so uh, start telling them about how per Turbo Pascal works. Um, and I watch them literally take a step back. Like they were afraid of this computer that he was setting up and it was just the whole thing was terrifying. And I realized in that moment, uh, they had no, they did not want any of the technical information whatsoever. And I'm like, it's really cool. It'll help you rent your movies out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, this is what it does, right? And and then once he got it hooked up, I kind of walked them through. It's like, you know, here's, you know, here's what you have to, they just got, we had a little barcode scanner and we had scanners on the movies. And I said, see, see, this is how it works. Like you type in the customer's membership number and their name comes up on the screen and you scan in the movies that they want to rent. And it comes up and it tells you how much they are and when they're due back. Um, and it, you know, lets you complete the transaction. And they said, well, what if the people forget their membership card? And I'm like, well, you can find them by searching for their name or you can put in their phone number. And they're like, and, and, and they're like, well, and the computer remembers where they are. Like, what do we do about, you know, printed out receipts and stuff? I says, you can let the computer just remember if you want, or you can hit this print button and you can print out a, a paper receipt so that you have that. And I said, but what's really magical is when the movies come back, all you do is scan them and they're right back in inventory. Because before we used to have to sort through a pile of invoices to find the invoice that matched the, the movies that came back and they bring back three movies, but they rented out four. You have to kind of scratch them out and call them for the other movie and all that. And it took a lot of time to bring the inventory back in so you could get it on the shelf. So it's just scan, 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 the movies are back. You can put them on the shelf right away. It's like it's super fast. Um, you know, and they're like late charges. I'm like, oh, the computer remembers that they didn't return it on time and it remembers the late charges. That's what sold them. Um, <laughs> But um, but it was all about talking about how this piece of functionality was going to help them in their business. Like how it worked, they didn't care um, other than how it worked from their perspective of what they needed to do to make it work and whether they could trust it or not um, kind of thing. So there was a lot of um, sales lessons that happened in that particular event that I didn't even recognize until years later. Like at the time, I was just kind of kind of pissed off at the boyfriend for not holding up his end of the bargain. And I was like, like, seriously, you couldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it kind of summarizes business and sales in general, right? Which is you just need to show people the value you can add to them and their business. They don't care about what's going on behind the scenes or behind the computer or behind the software. It's, it's how do you save them time or make them more money or save them more money? You know what I mean? So very cool. So how did that end? Um, poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we had some success. I, I think we, I think we got that software into, I don't know, 15 or 20 stores in the geographical area that we were in. Um, then, um, bigger competitors came in with more robust software and like real companies. Um, so that it's kind of like the, the days of, of uh, doing things the way that we did um, were, uh, were ending and so was the relationship. So um, the business, uh, you know, without, without him opening the doors for me, there was nothing for me um, in terms of continuing on. Like I wasn't, 
I was not the one that was going to go and walk into stores and, and sell software. So um, that's how that ended. It's a great learning experience. Um, you know, I use a lot of what I learned then, um, still to this day. Um, but uh, yeah. Got it. And so what happened next? That ends, you're like, okay, well, I have some experience doing this and this and this. What did you decide to do next and, and why? Um, what did I decide to do next? Well, I got into another relationship um, with a realtor. <laughs> so I became a real estate office manager for a little while, helping him in his business. Um, and in that time period, um, the internet became a thing. So in 1993, 1994, I learned about this internet thing and I met this guy that was um, doing website developments. I can't even remember how it all happened, but I ended up going to his house and he had set up um, uh, a Linux server in his living room running Apache, which runs websites. And he was showing me how this internet thing worked and how web servers worked and, and um, uh, and browsers and stuff like this. And uh, so immediately I had to do that. So I went home and did the exact same thing and I learned how to make websites back in 1994. And I made a website um, for a real estate office, uh, <laughs> which was really hilarious because when I showed it to the people that worked in my husband's company, like the, the, the realtors, um, they said, well, that's really neat. Cause I'm like, hey, here's, here's your real estate company. We can put houses on here. And they're like, can we fax it to people? <laughs> <laughs> like nobody had even emails right like it was like I, like here's a website and they're like oh, i don't know it's all dial up to get onto the internet back then and it's just you know i Very thought it was cool teams. yeah so patty how, how did you how did you get into what you're focused on right now what i'm focused on right now well after i started doing the websites i got into um like technical work and technical training. Um, and I was selling bigger projects. I kind of, kind of I figured out how to market myself, like how to explain what this internet thing was and what websites were, and eventually um, web application kind of projects, int intranets. And I wrote e-learning um, management software back in 2001, that kind of thing. Um, so I went through this thing of growing myself um, into a freelance um, developer, technical trainer kind of a person. Um, and then on the very last project that I sold, right, like I'm in this boardroom um, and there's a handful of people and I'm giving a presentation about what this new internet software that I'm proposing I could build for them would do. And I'm drawing it out on a flip chart for them and talking about the problems that they have and how this would solve it and, and all of that. And at the end of the, of our meeting, they're like, yeah, we're in, this sounds great, let's do it. Um, and of course I'm over the moon happy, biggest project I'd sold to date. Uh, and you know, we're leaving the, the office and, and the fellow says, you know, if you ever decide to give up this technical stuff that you're doing, you'd make a great salesperson. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> but on the walk from the door to my car, like through the parking lot, it was like, I had this, emotion like on the one hand it was like yay <laughs> got the sale woohoo um followed immediately by oh shit now i have to write code um and that was it like that was the like that was the moment it ended i completed the project it killed me um 
but then it's like I knew I needed to do something different. Um, so I took a break. I gave up the computer stuff. I read Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week book, and he talks about taking a mini retirement. Right there, I think. <laughs> For those watching on YouTube right now, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> He had this this idea in there about taking a mini retirement that we should take two years in the middle of our careers to mm -hmm. just go and retire and then come back um, and and either pick up what you were doing or do something else. And that's what I did. And then when I came back, I decided that, that I was done with the technology stuff and that I was far, far more interested in the sales and marketing end of it, which was the part that was hard for me. Um, and uh, that's kind of where I wanted to go. So when I started this business 10 years ago, it was very much in support of um, new solopreneurs that were trying to figure out how to sell this thing that they're doing. Um, so that's kind of where that's kind of where this started. And, and so that's really interesting. So how did you kind of put that initial kind of offering or package or product? I don't even know what to call it. Maybe maybe you can give us more information. But when you decided, okay, this is what I want to do, what were maybe the first couple steps to kind of figuring out how you were going to do it? I had this idea that I wanted to help people like me. So I was putting myself back into... Um, you know, going back into the past where I was uncomfortable talking to people, uncomfortable talking about what I do, um, uncomfortable with anything that had anything to do with the marketing and the sales kind of angle of it. Um, and also the fact that I'm an introvert. And I, and I thought that that was a, that had a big, that played a big component in this is I was not, um, I did not have the gift of the gab that my first business partner had. Um, so how do you succeed without that sort of thing? And I thought that the most useful thing would be for solopreneurs that are isolated in, you know, in their own homes, doing their own business, that were a little introverted, that the most helpful thing they could do is gather into a group and to have a mastermind. Uh, of other solopreneurs so that they could um, practice talking about what they do and have that kind of support. And so I wanted to, to create these mastermind groups that would bring people together. So the very first thing that I did is, is I had this idea that I was going to do these mastermind groups and I put together a presentation on what they were and how they would work and the problems that they would solve and what, what people would get out of joining them. And I delivered it to my uh, Toastmasters Club to practice it, uh, to get feedback on the presentation itself. Um, and one of the members of the club, because we were an advanced club and our focus was on professional speaking, one of the members of the club came up to me and she says, Patty, I'm in. Where do I write the check? <laughs> and that's how that started. So I ended up, you know, getting a few, handful of people from my club and we started doing these mastermind groups. And I was looking at these mastermind groups as everybody is equal and we're all bringing ideas and we're having these conversations, supporting each other, accountability and goal setting and all that. And it turned out that what they wanted from me <laughs> was, what do I say? How do I market my business? <laughs> like, you know, what do I do? Um, so I moved from that into more of the teaching and the training and from that into one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then just in the last few years of I decided that the absolute fastest way I could help people is by doing a lot of it for them. Um, so that's where I'm at right now is a consultancy 
agency almost uh, kind of a business where I help people. Um, mainly with messaging and what do I say and how do I package it and how do I describe it um, and you know what do I write on my website and what do I say to people and if I'm going to do a webinar what goes into that um, content marketing um, all of that kind of getting your um, getting your wisdom out of your head and into the world <laughs> in a commercial sort of sense right yeah that makes it makes sense and I think it's another great lesson in just getting out there and doing something because you were starting in this new area. You had never taught or, or, you know, kind of like offered services in that before. You don't know what the perfect way to do it is. You started something mastermind through that you learned, you know, where to actually pivot to, you know, whether you want to call it a pivot or whatever. So anyways, get out there, right? Put something out there and, and your audience will kind of eventually make it clear, right? Or your clientele, etc. So Patty, I'd, I'd love to talk about marketing yourself, uh, you know, kind of the, the stuff that you focus on right now, as I kind of alluded to at the beginning, it's very top of mind for me right now, and, and probably many other solopreneurs, entrepreneurs. So where do you usually start? Let's, let's say you get a new client, someone's like, hey, I have this small business, I want to get into this marketing, personal branding, whatever the heck you want to call it kind of game. What do you do with them? Like, what's that first session or two look like? What are you focused on? What are you What are you telling them? The very first thing that I want to work on with my clients is their messaging and their strategy. Um, and I look at this. That, now, my clients um, basically sell transformational kind of services. Um, they're They're helping businesses improve. Um, you know, they're taking people from where they are now to where they want to go. It's it's not um, it's not very tangible, <laughs> right? So I use so like a it's service it's service based, but it's also like I look at it as kind of like a hierarchy of of things, right? Like if you sell a product like a car, um, you can see it, you can feel it, you can touch it, and you can test drive it, and it's very tangible. Um, some services are have an element of tangibility as well. If I buy a website from somebody, it, it's kind of a product. I might not be able to touch it, and it's a service that they develop the website, but now I have a website. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or now I have a lawn that's mowed, or now, you know, I have a babysitter and we can go out um, on date night. When you talk about transformational services, what do you get? Uh, like, you know, if you hire a coach, what do you get? Like, there's no deliverable. They can't put the better version of you in a box and ship it to you. Um, and in fact, the coaching service doesn't do anything for you if the client isn't involved and isn't doing something. And the ultimate outcome of that whole thing is a better version of themselves or a better version of their company. So when I'm working with clients that offer like management consulting kind of services. They can't put cult, you know, a new culture for your business, put it in a box. Like it, it doesn't work that way. Um, so a big piece, like, and it makes it hard to sell. Like I was talking to a client um, just last week and he says, this is the 10th business I've been in. And he says, it is by far the hardest to market because it's so wispy. <laughs> it's, it's like, there's nothing to hang on to here. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's, and, and, you know, and people don't get it. Right. Um, so what I do in, in terms of the messaging and the strategy is I look at it through the lens of like a story. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Donald, Donald Miller's work on building a story brand. He talks about the idea that your business is a story. 
So in the story, you have the hero of the story, which is your client. They are on a quest. They want something. That's the end result that you help them deliver. And the reason they don't have it now is because there are obstacles in the way that are preventing them from getting what they want. So that's the kind of the customer journey. That's what your clients want, right? And then there's you. You are the mentor, the advisor, the helper that helps them get there. So they're the star of the show. You're, you know, like if, if they're the karate kid, you're Mr. Miyagi, right? <laughs> and then you have tools and expertise and wisdom and a path and a plan that will help them get where they want to go. So the first work I do with my clients is situating all of that. Who is the hero? Who are your clients? What is it that they want that you help them with in their words? What are the obstacles in the way? Why don't they have that yet? Then who are you as the advisor? Why should they pay attention to you? Why should they trust you? You know, and this is where, you know, you might have an origin story or credentials, um, uh, customer testimonials, case studies, that kind of thing to prove that you're a good advisor, but you're not the star of the show. And then what's your methodology from getting there? And that's what makes a transformational um, services business tangible is that you have a signature process or step-by-step -step, it's like this is how you get from where you are now to where you want to go based on the customer journey so we lay that out to start with and from there we develop the messaging and then the website becomes um, explaining all of this basically like you're offering to help them get what they want <laughs> these are the people you're writing it for and this is who you are you know who you are goes on your about page your path and your journey goes on your services page but the front page is all about your clients what they want <laughs> what they're struggling with you know um, like that's how you get their attention so we start with that with the messaging and from there we can build out a strategy of okay these are your people what's the best way to reach them um, what do we need to do so, so can we talk about that next step too so okay so we've got that in place how do we market to to start filling the funnel yeah when we talk about a funnel <laughs> typically when we're talking about a a funnel like there's kind of stages of the of the customer journey you know in the very first stage at the top of the funnel is is like basic awareness if people have no idea who you are they need to hear about you before they do business with you for trusted advisors the next layer in is really important it's, it's an education nurture explain what do i do and it's a building of know like and trust um, because ultimately what you're hiring is somebody that you're going to be vulnerable with you're going to tell them your deepest darkest secrets and your big problems and you're going to, you're asking for help it's very vulnerable you need to know like and trust and you need to get that that person is going to help you then you're going to have like you know what we would call conversion which is going to be a one-on-one -on -one meeting like my clients don't sell through the internet they sell through a conversation and probably several conversations consultations right and that's kind of what you'd look at as a funnel something for awareness a lot of know like and trust building and authority building in the middle and then a conversation on a calendar now I like to, I'm a certified duct tape marketing <laughs> consultant, and they talk about an hourglass instead of a funnel, um, mm. which is highly relevant 
to um, service-based trusted advisory kind of businesses, which is once they are a customer, once they're a client of yours, how do you retain them and keep them long-term? Because it's easier to make more sales to existing clients than it is to go and find new clients. And for my from my clients, that's really true. They might work with a client for uh, months or in some cases years. Uh, so how do you keep them happy and coming back? Uh, how do you structure your services so that, that you stay with them? And then beyond that, how do you get referrals? Because when I talk to my clients and I say, how are you getting business now? They say, it's repeat business, it's word of mouth and referrals, and it's my personal network. It's always those answers and it will always be those answers so um, a lot of trusted advisors sometimes get this idea that they can use like a digital marketing funnel to replace a lot of that and to just kind of bring them calendar appointments on demand and it doesn't quite work like that <laughs> it's yeah. more that the marketing that you do really um supports what you're already doing with people, which is about building relationships. Um, so your social media and your videos and your blog and podcast interviews and all of this stuff that gets you out in front of a new audience is about building relationships and sharing your expertise. It's very much letting people know that you exist, talking about things that they're interested in, showing them how they, you might help them. Um, and it doesn't have to be huge numbers, not for my clients, right? It's business specific, but for my clients, um, you know, they might, you know, they might need to get two or three new clients this year to make this year great. They don't have mm -hmm. to sell two or three clients a day or several hundred a day kind of thing. Like they're looking for larger contracts, big, big clients kind of thing. So it's not about bringing a whole lot of quantity into the top of a funnel. It's more about making quality connections. If they can get in front of a group and give a presentation and have three or four or six people come out to them after the presentation, hand the business cards and have a bit of a conversation. That's a win. Um, and, and they'd rather have that than to bring 500 new people onto an email list that are going right. to. Right. So. Absolutely. Could we get maybe a couple tips, Patty, like one or two tips on that awareness part? So driving yep. more awareness. And then also, I was curious about keeping your current clients happy, like one or two tips, or maybe your most common strategies you're recommending. So building awareness and then also keeping current clients happy. Yeah. In terms of awareness, get in front of your ideal clients. So which means knowing who they are and getting in front of them. So speaking is a terrific way of doing this. Like, like I have, if I had a wish, it would be, my wish would be that my clients would be really excited about getting up on stage and delivering a really, really great presentation to an assembled room of people who fit their ideal client profile that they did not have to fill. So if they have a partner um, or an association that they can go and speak at um, to get in front of a group of clients. And speaking is terrific because you, you're on stage for an hour or so, you're sharing your advice, not one of these pitchy sell from the stage things, but more about giving some really, really good solid value. Um, to the people who match your ideal client profile. People get way too caught up in awareness in 
you know, gaming the vanity metrics. They want lots of likes and they want lots of, you know, I want, you know, I had a client tell me that, oh, if I had 100,000 people on my newsletter, I wouldn't have a problem with, um, with my business. I'm like, dude, you need a handful of clients. You don't need 100,000 people on your list. <laughs> So it's get, getting really focused on how do I talk to the people who are going to buy from me. Like if you look at all of your marketing being for your next client, not for the random general public, not to impress your competitors. It's like, how do I put some messaging out there that speaks directly to my next client um, in terms of the awareness thing and to focus on what they want and what their perceived problems are in their words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make, makes complete sense. And so, so what about that retention side or, or keeping current clients happy? Yeah, a few things here. Uh, partially it's that structure of the programs. So when we talk about like having a client journey, right? Like if you have a mapped out program of these are the nine building blocks that you need to get your business from where you are now to where you, uh, to where you want to go and let's assess how you're doing in each of those nine areas right now so we get a baseline of where you need the the help where you're doing well how that's going to work um, and then you work together and then review that on a regular basis it's like okay how are you doing now so they're not complete yet <laughs> yet they've made some progress right so that there's an there's a, an assessment happening that makes it visual visible visible that makes the progress visible because sometimes what happens with these transformational kinds of programs is it can take a long time or a significant amount of time from when you get started to when you see results like if you think about like you know personal training or something like that, that's a great example right it's like you're not going to see results in the in the first little while all you're going to see is the pain of going to the gym and this isn't fun um and this is what business the business people have as well. It's like we got problems, we have to solve them, we have to do hard things, uh, and the results are down the line. So have a way of assessing progress to keep people engaged um, and, and show that they're making that progress. And even when you're bringing them in to show them that there's like there's a there's a timeline here and, and to present the idea of might take us three years. Here's what the, the, the trajectory for three years looks like, but we're gonna focus on this one little thing here first, um, and then we can go on from there. So we're just kind of um, approaching this as a longer term engagement, not offering a quick fix. I mean, there might be some quick fixes in that beginning piece, but, but not focusing on just that, but on the longer engagement and the longer goals. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's, it's bringing more consulting into this, um, not thinking about it as sales and marketing so much as, as consulting. It's, it's like, here's how we're gonna help you go from here to there. And then, you know, that checking in, making sure that they have progress and that they're happy that <laughs> you're in contact with them, that kind yeah. of stuff. Awesome. Generally, my, my clients are pretty good at that part, right? They're, like, they're, they're pretty good at, at delivering great service. Like if you're not good at what you do and your clients aren't happy, it can be really, really hard to build a successful business. For sure, for sure. Patty, are there, are there one or two common mistakes or, uh, you know, areas where you, you start with a client and they're, they're going wrong or their marketing's, you know, one or two ways people get marketing wrong a lot? Yeah, um, they get caught up in the tactics and the technology um, and they forget that marketing is communication and 
they gloss over the messaging um, or they don't believe it's important or they, uh, the messaging is everything. It, it, it's um, marketing is communication. And if you don't have the message component of that right, it doesn't matter how fancy the technology is. Like it's not about, like if you look at something like um, a nurture kind of an email list, a, a newsletter, autoresponders, kind of that digital funnel that we look at. Um, that doesn't work because it's got six emails in a sequence and it's running on active campaign. Um, that is just the methodology to convey the words. So it's not enough to just go check, I got six emails. And it is shocking to me that people will do that. Um, they'll hire a freelancer to write them six emails and they'll put it into the system and then they're like, oh, it's not working. Um, so it's it's the messaging. It's the same with them. If you're going to run advertising or something like that, it's, it's like, what are those ads saying? Who are they reaching? Um, so it's not looking at the messaging and the strategy parts. And those are hard. They're not fun. <laughs> like it, um, you know, and it does, it, it requires a little bit of expertise and we get you know, we can't read the label on our own jar, right? It's really hard for us to do this for ourselves. We we live and breathe our expertise. And when we're trying to write this kind of stuff for ourselves, we can use a lot of jargon and terminology and make a lot of assumptions about what our clients know that they don't know. Um, so I'm, you know, the, the advice I give my clients all the time around messaging is, what do your clients ask for? Like when you're in that initial discovery meeting and you're asking them about what hurts, write down their answers because <laughs> that's your marketing messaging because they're going to tell you in their own words why they were looking for the help and then you repeat that back to them. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is, this is great advice, Patty. My, my last question is always kind of a, a version of if there's someone out there right now, maybe they're working a nine to five, they're looking to go out on their own, or maybe they have started out on their own, but they're struggling with some of the things that we've talked about. What are one or two pieces of advice that you give to them? Um, if I could give my, <laughs> my younger self this advice, uh, you you got to get the sales. You, you got to learn how to sell. You got to learn how to sell. Um, I, I mean, you can't have a business if you can't sell. And uh, that can sound like really harsh because when I think about, um, you know, who I was <laughs> back in the day, uh, <laughs> is that, that's, that's the hard, scary thing. And we sometimes get this idea that we can avoid that selling and avoid talking to people through digital marketing and through, um, uh, or maybe hiring the number of people I've talked to that they're like, oh, yeah, I hate the selling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, hire someone to do the selling for, for me. If you want to be a trusted advisor, <laughs> I mean, this is different. You're selling a product that's an entirely different business. But if you want to be a trusted advisor, you have to be able to do your own selling. It's like you are the product um, and you have to be able to sell it. And you can't have a business unless you get that figured out. Um, so figure out that part. There's a zillion um, books and uh, sales trainings available on that, um, you know, to kind of learn on your own, but figure that part out um, and, and make some sales before you worry about everything else. You don't need a website. You don't need a business name. You don't need a whole bunch of things that you think you need. What you need are some customers. <laughs> when you get some customers, you can start to build a business around it. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Patty, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been great to hear your story and, and hear the advice. If people want to get in touch or learn more about you, where do you recommend that they go? Uh, to my website, uh, pattyk.com. Awesome. And we will link to that in the description. Patty, thank you again for coming Patty. on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun.